Hello and welcome to the Fresh Air Sci-Fi Show. I'm Joe. I'm Dave. I'm Luke. <laughs> I'm Chris. And I'm Pellin. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't we didn't sort that out. You know that could have yeah, been our fuck up. <laughs> but you know at least at least someone jumped in and went. You know what? I'm Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, good to have you all here. Uh, hopefully everything is working out there in the internet world. <laughs> I haven't 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 been uh, on the ball today. I do apologise. Uh, have you guys been though? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. A lovely walk. Oh yes. Whereabouts? I mean, obviously uh, I know Swindon, we... but where's lovely in Swindon? Well, yeah, Midget <laughs> Park. We did one Midget Park. Heather and Logan are doing a charity 5K. So we went and checked it out to see what their route was going to be. Nice. Which was good. Yeah. Even if it was 26 degrees out, which, no, no. It was rather warm today, although unfortunately we didn't actually have much time where it wasn't covered in clouds. Um, the, the morning was like really bright and beautiful, and my mum actually uh, came to visit us today with my sister so we were like yeah let's go to the beach we packed a little packed lunch as you do and all that sort of thing we got down to the beach clouds <laughs> <laughs> so we stayed there for about two three hours and, it, and i mean it was still nice and warm uh, and in some respects it was good um because it turns out that we ran out of all of our sun creams and there was only just enough left to to do it so it's good that there wasn't blaring sunlight otherwise uh yeah it could have been very burnt uh, but it was a it was a, all in all a lovely day. What about you guys? You get up to much work? Ah, oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, study and assignment writing for me. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, you did. For my usual walk to it was nice. Oh, your usual walk. How far is that? Oh, that's about. Oh, I, I I don't know actually. I have no idea. I, it's, it's been a while since I last checked in how, how long it actually is. But I have like a little routine. Um, uh, that I usually walk on. Oh, nice. Uh, hey, Shannon, nice to have you here. Uh, apparently, uh, she's here to hear some Loftus research based on the description. Well, Is... yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a spoiler, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't really spoiled it because I'm still just as ignorant as to what that could mean. So <laughs> the benefit of being completely ignorant on a topic. Um, <laughs> thankfully, there's one of us here who isn't completely ignorant on the topic. who's going to be telling us about our uh, topic tonight right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what do you want to start with, Joe? That's the question. Shall we start with the null hypothesis, or shall we start well, with uh, the, it, the testimony stuff? It depends. I mean, do you want your little null hypothesis rant first, or, or do you want to save it for the end? If he gets it out now, he'll be less frustrated during the actual. Discussion. That's true. That's all right. True. Yeah, Go on then. That's true. Do it. Okay. So, first of all, what is what? <laughs> Let, let, set the scene for me, Joe, because you're a very good storyteller. Set the scene for me. Why are we discussing this? In a world. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the null hypothesis is one of those things that is frequently quoted on the internet by some of our fellow atheists. And it's often said that atheism is the null hypothesis. And for anyone who actually has any inkling, inkling of what the null hypothesis is, that isn't exactly correct, is it, Luke? No, 
No, because I don't have like, any clue what it is. <laughs> that's good then. So it's not atheism. <laughs> um, so, are we positive? Yes. <laughs> so you're a positive so, so atheist. The, the reason <laughs> the reason it gets mixed up, I think, is because because uh, people say like so. For instance, the uh, so when somebody's born, they don't have a belief, and therefore uh, they don't. Um, the hypothesis of God they don't have. Therefore, we accept the null hypothesis, which is no God, um, and that's the default position that we take until we're proven otherwise in science. But that shows kind of a like it, it, it's 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 just a misunderstanding of what null hypothesis is because it's still a hypothesis. So so you have to believe it. You have to accept it. You can't just you can't just uh, say like uh, you have to do a statistical test in order to analyze it and then say, okay, the, the the results show that this doesn't have any effect on this. And that's the way it is. That's what the null means is that. So just give us a basic pro- example of, of a null okay. hypothesis, a really simple one that we, we so, can all understand because, uh, you know. Chocolate has no effect on happiness. Right. So that's a null hypothesis. So you're you're making a statement about the nature of the world that chocolate doesn't have any effect on happiness. Now, when we're doing tests, what we're normally doing is trying to prove that chocolate does have an effect on happiness, right? And whether that's a positive effect or negative effect, it, it yeah, doesn't make any exactly. difference. But what you exactly. so the null hypothesis is is literally just saying that it's not going to have any effect whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, and scientists scientists want to find effects because they want to understand the world. So they want to see whether chocolate increases happiness or decreases happiness, right? But what they do is in order to kind of take their bias out of the study, we always work from the null because then you're not trying to prove the thing that you want to prove. You're trying to falsify it. And if you're trying yeah. to prove it wrong then, uh, and then it, it gets shown to be true, then that's uh, that's when you know you've got an effect, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just takes your bias out of the situation, which is the idea of the null hypothesis. It's to, it's designed to falsify uh, the 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 study. So if you can't falsify it, then you can't. The study doesn't work. So you can't actually is just proving it wrong. So you can't actually have a null hypothesis in something metaphysical like claims of gods, especially when no. they're uh, you've got um, problems because Sorry. it's untestable. Yes. So I mean, but if you it, were to actually it, say it, something. Sorry, Sorry, one second, Chris. If you, if you were just on... to say, like, God will move this glass and it doesn't, then is that something that we can say is more testable in that regard? Um, you know, when you're actually making a claim about God and reality and the effect that it is definitely a God, or is there is there any way you can sort of squeeze in the n- null hypothesis to so, that sort so- of thing? So the way a hypothesis works is it's not just the... So so let's take the chocolate and happiness thing. In order to actually test that, you need to operationalize it. And that means that you have to quantify what chocolate is and you have to quantify what happiness is because then you can test it. So if you're saying, like, God will move this glass, if you can't quantify what God is, then you can't test God and therefore that's, that hypothesis doesn't work. Cool. And that makes a lot of sense. Chris, well, what were you going to say there? Sorry. I was just going to ask whether it is always to do with something not having an effect on something else. Yeah, so the null hypothesis is just there to be like, um, it's not necessarily, that. That's the, that's my experience because a lot of psychology is about not having an effect, but it might be that we're not going to, um, so for instance, gravitational wave thing. Yeah, the null hypothesis of that study where they had the big arms and stuff out 
and uh, they were trying to find gravitational waves. And our hypothesis is that this won't find gravitational waves. Yeah. So, um, so if we were to accept uh, a kind of broader view where we did apply it to metaphysical claims, so we could then possibly say something instead of atheism being a null hypothesis, it would more be maybe that deism was. The claim would be that God has an effect on the continual running of the world, but deism would be saying, well, no, God doesn't have an effect on the continual running of the world, whereas atheism would be rejecting a God in the first place. I think, um, I think the issue comes into the testability of it. I think it's just a misappropriated term. It's a bit like when young earth creationists say theory, yeah. and they're talking about like uh, theory, you know, like oh, it's just a theory type theory rather than a, a scientific theory, which is lots of evidence to support it, and is almost, it's essentially a fact. Um, so, so in in this regard, Sh- Shannon's just um, chimed in and said that you know H zero, as in the null hypothesis, God isn't yeah. real versus H one, God is real. It could easily be reversed, but it also uh, uh, so. It's about defaults in mean comparisons, uh, assuming a starting hypothesis. But what you're saying there is actually neither of those could technically be classed as a hypothesis because they're not testable. Unless you can, yeah, yeah. So if yeah, you manage I... to define God and you manage to sort of um, conceptualize and form a test, then you could have that H zero and H one. Mm. Yeah, but absolutely. the problem is we can't actually test it. So you don't even have a hypothesis. So it's, you'd almost in this regard, regard God as just an idea, not even a hypothesis. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the other thing about the null hypothesis that we need to really think about is that um, it's barely ever scientists don't just accept nulls all the time right because then they wouldn't do any science they wouldn't have built a massive machine that was capable of uh uh finding gravitational waves if they didn't think that there was a potential for them to find the gravitational waves because they'd never experienced them before because they accepted the null hypothesis Mm. that just doesn't make any sense right so so you have to in as a scientist you have to be like um uh oh i need to i need to um figure out this thing in the world maybe there's gravitational waves i don't know this is true i'm gonna test it doing making this massive machine right Mm. that's not accepting the null necessarily until you test it you can't accept the null or or reject the null and 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 it is etiquette in science to accept the null hypothesis Mm. because 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 you're not trying to prove yourself right that's that that is basically a humbling thing rather than it being just like we more of a skeptic thing where we we don't believe things until they're proven true we believe things that aren't aren't the case until they're proven true. So yeah. yeah, that's the null hypothesis. I don't know if that's cleared things up, but it's it's you know I think it's just a misappropriated term, and it just needs to be clearly used clearer because I think when people are using it, it's a bit like whenever we talk about these things um, about you know philosophy terms and scientific terms, it kind of gets mixed up, and people think they're using it in a way that they're they're not. Yeah, and then I, and then it I creates think... a misunderstanding within the within the field. 
I think the reason that it, it comes out in this regard is because people think the word null, which is basically like nothing. So if you think about it in database terms, it's not even one zero, it's null. It's something that's just not there. And, and that's how they go, well, there you go. That's what it means because it's the not there hypothesis um, mm. rather than it being something that has no effect. And they're not even thinking about hypotheses as if they are an actual hypothesis, they're thinking it about it in terms of it being an idea. And that's how this confusion has come about. Yeah. They're just using the colloquial version. Yeah. Well, they are. They are, exactly. But then, <laughs> but then, but then you know, they start saying that that's how scientists use it, and it's not. It's not. No, because you've got a three-day-long conversation on that. Yes, I did. I had a three-day-long <laughs> conversation where somebody kept telling me that that's how scientists use it, and then... I said no, they don't, and then I and then they said, "Where did I say that they did?" And I screenshot it and posted to them, and they said, "No, I didn't say that." And it's like, what is happening right now? I do not understand. But it's not how scientists use it, and if you're going to use it, then like I don't mind people using terms, but just be upfront about it, you know. And if somebody says that's not how scientists use that term, and they understand the concept and they're teaching you the concept, don't try and tell them that they're wrong because it's not gonna work <laughs> it's you know? like you've mentioned before about how people tend to refer to psychopaths you know they're mm. uh, and the psycho killer thing and and all of that they're they're good they, conversation it was a really good conversation but um it, it. it's <laughs> it's not the same thing um as it would be done in in psychology and you find this in a lot of arenas whether it's um any form of science or philosophy or anything like that people are somewhat removed from the terminology and they're using colloquial versions but a lot of your peers are using colloquial versions as well and you don't realize that actually you're not using it how it would be done at least in that context um in the same way that you can think about a creationist who thinks well evolution is just a changing kind and theory is just mm. an idea and because all their peers are saying the same thing they all think they're right and everyone else is wrong and scientists don't know what they're talking about and so on and so forth and it can happen yeah. to any one of us we can get caught in these traps about you know absolutely anything um but before we we you know, go too far down that path and think about other things and common conversations that we get on. <laughs> Perhaps we should one actually... Okay, go on. Thing, go on. Just on the know, <laughs> because I think Philip will appreciate this as well, actually. Um, I think similar people that say that atheism is no... Excuse me, the no hypothesis, also say that you can't prove a negative. <laughs> and the no hypothesis is... Reading the negative. negative. Yeah. <laughs> You're showing something that's not. <laughs> so, 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 just for anyone out there that says both of those things simultaneously, they are they are mutually exclusive. You cannot you cannot say that you can't prove a negative and then also say that the null hypothesis is a thing because yeah. you are proving something doesn't exist or something doesn't affect something else. That is a negative. You know? so, <laughs> I have had so many arguments with people. Who- out the you can't prove a negative yeah that's so one of the worst i just wanted to i guess add like because there was this brief discussion on whether or not you like god being a metaphysical thing whether or not you can sort of test it or not i think there are certain things like there was a recent conversation on twitter that i followed for a while um 
on science being able to test certain things when it comes to God. And I think like there's a very good case to be made that it is possible for certain things, like for example, prayer, right? There, there have been studies on prayer. Yeah, been. And, and in these contexts, you could make like, you could use all of this terminology because this is essentially statistical information, right? You could say, well, the null hypothesis in this case is that prayer doesn't have an effect, for example, mm. I guess, on, uh, on sort of recovery maybe and then fair, you sort of try to i'm sorry prayer has been proven to have an effect on recovery and it's yeah, not it just effect. it makes it worse <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, i think we all know the, the study i mean there is this one study that is famous at least um so yeah i mean there are things i i think you know you could contextualize sort of parts of this into sort of a statistical framework where it would make sense i guess to talk about the null hypothesis uh, these, these are my my thoughts yeah i think yeah. yeah i think i agree i think it's it's maybe maybe what needs to happen if we're going to test god and we need to have like a meta-analysis of all the different effects that we'd expect to see god have on the planet and then form it into one research paper to to kind of quantify god as a whole thing but even then i think that'd be a good argument for uh that's not testing god per se that's testing yeah. something yeah. else you know so Yes, yeah, and that would also go back to what I was saying before about the null hypothesis being deism, not atheism. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, precisely. Um, cool. Shall we change the subject, Joe? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we can. Uh, although um, <laughs> I was just having a look, and uh, Peace and Wellseeker says, I know a study on prayer, I recall, with recovering uh, heart attack patients has been shown to have an effect on recovery in a positive aspect, much more over the non-prayed for group. And to be honest, I think I think that could be right, because I don't actually think that there is necessarily any effect whatsoever. So I think it's just chance more than anything else. And um, the study that I read, and of uh, course, this, this is going back in time, was there were, there were three groups. There was the group that weren't being paid, prayed for, there was the group that were being prayed for, but didn't know they were being prayed for. And there was the group that knew that they were being prayed for. And the people that knew they were being prayed for actually recovered worse. And the other two recovered about the same rate. And I figured, well, maybe it's because they thought that God was going to help them heal. So they didn't have to fight themselves. Mm -hmm. Um now, I'm sure there have been a ton of other studies on this matter, and I'm sure it's going to be a mixed bag of tricks because I think a lot of it does just happen to be chance. I because... always wondered if it might be an aspect of not necessarily thinking something else is going to be doing the work for you, but a degree of stress from essentially performance anxiety. Yeah. They're sat there expecting or watching people expecting them to get better faster and that's yeah. heightening stress levels and making them recover slower that could could indeed be yeah mm, i hadn't thought of it like that a new study would have to control for it future research like <laughs> <a psychologist> now. <laughs> uh brilliant okay so let's get on to uh tonight's actual topic then uh, cool. So the, the the main focus to, of tonight's topic is testimony, but not purely 
testimony. We're going into things like memory. And actually, um, at, at the very beginning of the stream, stream um, Peace and Wealth Seeker says, uh, please, can you address the Mandela effect and how that's just memory recalling being inaccurate? I'll so get to that. I would I'll love to you that. to get to that as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I was planning on getting to that. That's a spoiler. Peace and Wealth Seeker. So many, <laughs> so many spoilers today. <laughs> Well, you've just got an engaged audience uh, desperate to hear you speak. Really, and now, yeah. now I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, you don't need any performance anxiety. Just have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, go on then, get on with it. <laughs> right. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a little test, right? So what we're gonna no. do? You're gonna I'm I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna say some words, and I want you to remember as many of them as you can. Okay. Can I write and them I'll down? Back to no, you can't write them down. <laughs> and I'll come. I'll come back to it later. Okay. So so. Oh, uh, yeah, we're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna say them now. But we'll you, come back to them. So I'm just gonna say a bunch of words. I'm, I'm dyslexic, right? And I have oh, ADHD. Right. So I've got really terrible short-term memory as it is. Joe, I it don't find matter. memory things fun at all. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And, and the people at home, you can join in with this as well. So don't write this down. I know though. where you might be going with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't spoil it. <laughs> okay. No spoilers. So fear, temper, hatred, fury, Dark side. <laughs> happy, enrage, Emotion, rage, hate, mean, ire, mad, wrath, calm, fight. So just remember as many of those as you can. It doesn't matter how many you remember, just remember them. Okay. Cool. It's not a test, don't worry. There's there's, there's something cool about it. Um cool. So false memory. That's what we're going to be discussing today. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, re I really thought you were going to go through the list of getting the um, Winter Soldier to go into assassin mode. Yeah, oh, that would have been good. I've just done that with Dave. Look, he looks, he's gone into a super yeah. soldier mode. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the haircut. <laughs> uh, do you know what Bible's got a good point right you've done this whole test thing for us right they can rewind the stream <laughs> to, to, to be fair we, we can too if we are really clever no God, you don't need it's, it's fun it's a fun thing it's not a test yeah but we want to win damn it <laughs> you can win if you don't remember if you don't oh, don't worry we'll get to that <laughs> Oh, Big fair, I'm just going to say whatever words I want and then claim that it's a Mandela effect and we've split off into <laughs> So, <laughs> let's, let's talk about false memory. So first we need to think about what memory is. So, what is memory? I don't remember. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Oh my God, you don't know what memory is. I thought it's supposed to be a psychologist. <laughs> What's memory? I don't, want, I don't want to talk at you guys. I want some interaction. Uh, and how would you like it uh, defined? Would you like it sort Just of... any way you want to define it. Okay, I'd say a lot of it is stored data in our neural pathways. Yeah, and... to recollect something, but I don't yeah. know. Just using mm -hmm. a Yeah, so that's, it. that's exactly what it is, right? It's our ability to, to recall information, yeah? And that can be... 
sensory information, so information from our uh, sensory organs, or it can be like uh, like kind of information we've read, yeah, like on topics and stuff. So it's just our ability to recall things, memories and stuff like that, like past events and that, um, that kind of thing. Mm. And are they accurate? Is it accurate? No. <laughs> no. it's not like it's not like it's not like recording is it it's not like it's not like a video camera where we record things and then we get a near perfect kind of uh kind of image of what what happened you know no. like with cctv no? no no definitely so why isn't it perfect uh, there's a lot of different reasons i think i mean sometimes it comes down to a personal bias that we might have um i think sometimes we're just you know, we've got erroneous memories anyway. I think sometimes memories get confused. You get different experiences that blend together. Um, Over the course of time as well, you're not actually remembering the original event. You're remembering your last memory of the event. event. Yeah. Yeah. Like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be due to efficiency mostly, right? Like, it, it seems to me that only some things are important, even even as you experience stuff through your senses, you're sort of prioritizing stuff that you think is more important. You're passing that data. So like memory is just sort of um, accelerating that process and just sort of keeping what is really sort of the highlight of, of that. Yeah. Exactly. And the, th- and the thing is, so what, what we do, and this happens with our normal, we, I think we spoke about this with the consciousness thing, is we, we have to fill in the gaps, right? So if, there, if there's like a person in our memory of, an, of a situation, and we don't remember who it is, we might fill that gap in with somebody we know, yeah? Or if we don't remember quite what somebody looked like back when, uh, you know, they were a teenager, we might have a memory of them, but with them, how they look now, if that is, has that ever happened to you guys where you kind of remembered like there's a guy that I know who uh, he had like kind of this long like um, floppy blonde hair for years and years and years and for the past three or four years he's well no actually longer than that now six years he's been bald now when I, whenever I think of our, us at school he's bald oh really <laughs> yeah. yeah that's just because it's a representation of him I have at the moment mm. so our, our memories are quite flawed in that sense they're not they're not exact replications of what we have been through. So now what I'm going to ask you guys is, can you... I even do that with myself. Yeah, yeah, we do. I insert who I am now into old memories, which considering I now identify as a completely different gender, is rather confusing at times. (laughs) I can imagine it would be. (laughs) Even even as you gain information, you seem to sort of... um modify your past memories based on new information that you gained i think a good example i think luke, luke you will appreciate this is sort of magic tricks right like mm. if, if you see one and you oh, don't God, know how yeah. it's done you sort of remember it in a very different way than when you actually then understand how it's done then you sort of you, you can't get back you can't access the same sort of this is a really good point anymore. actually if, if a magician ever says uh and i shuffled the deck in the middle of a magic trick going through this is a bit of a, of a. It's not a massive one, though, is it, Philip? Uh, but if they say, if they say, oh yeah, so we went, you know, you picked a card. Uh, I shuffled the deck. Uh, oh no, you put it in the middle. I shuffled the deck. Uh, we we then went through the deck. You pulled one out. It wasn't your card, and then and then suddenly I flicked it, and it changed to your card, right? 
if they've done that, then they haven't shuffled the deck and they didn't put it in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but when you remember it later, you, you you would remember them putting it in putting it in the middle and shuffling them, and it works every time. It's crazy. But I really want you guys to uh, to try and remember the words that we said earlier. I think anger was in there. Oh, sure, you legend! That was not in there. <laughs> that is Rough. a critical word. That's a critical word from that list of so so so. So all I had in my head was the dark side. Uh, you know, all I was thinking right. about was Darth Vader because you fear. you were yeah. There was fear was in yeah. there. Fear. I remembered oh, fear. Yeah. fear. And then that's yeah, about yeah. it. Wrath. I don't remember wrath. Hate. And, it almost and, doesn't matter now. Your your memory. You you remembered. You remembered. Yeah. Hey, they they were all in there, Chris. You you had a good memory, but anger is the critical word that we were looking for, right? Anger wasn't in that list. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, none my... of those words rhyme with anger. None of those words sound like anger. Yeah, but Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> they have a semantic relationship with I was gonna say a lot of them have a kind of relationship to the actual yeah. emotion itself yeah so that's yeah. A, that's a really key thing that we need to think about when we're thinking about false memory is that it's not based on the way things sound or the way things look but it's what they mean to us mm. so we're more likely to to fill in a gap with something that means the same thing so if you're thinking like if i said ship uh ocean uh water etc you might come up with boat or you might come up with sea even though i haven't said those words in your memory of them right so in in the same sort of way people will use synonyms to for for words so for example um not believing something and disbelief are sometimes regarded as synonyms even though they actually speak of slightly different things, at least when you're speaking uh, in, 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 in logical terms. So, but because they're synonyms, people will use the same thing and people tend to go through synonyms of words and say, this means that, um, because they've gone through iteration of iteration of, of various synonyms yeah. to get there. And actually that's not right. That almost me- means that. And that almost means that. And I mean, synonyms mean something that is nearly the same but not necessarily exactly the same yeah and this is the cause of many fights and stuff between people because i might say something to you joe and you've heard it in a certain way and then when you remember that that situation you remember it with a different word that um you have a little bit more like kind of like you might say uh, i don't know what the words would be but you it might have more venom for you that word and you, yeah. you'll say, you said this to me. And they'll be like, I never said that. This is what I said. And then it's actually quite something quite innocuous, but you've transformed that in your memory mm-hmm. to be that that worst word. And this is how a false memory works. It's like it fills in the gaps of stuff that we we think is uh, uh, stuff that we can't quite remember. And, and it can be affected as well, which is the, the key thing. So um, if we're thinking about the Mandela effect, for instance... Now I'm back onto it. So, is there a big <laughs> fight going on in the in the comments? Because tell tell Peace and Wealthseeker to listen to the Mandela effect now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so you know, let's think about uh, the. There's two really obvious ones for me. The first one is uh, the Luke "I am your father" line from uh, Star Wars. Right. Which is actually no, I am your father. Precisely, right? So the line is actually no, I am your father, but everyone thinks it's Luke, I am your father. People remember it, and people said, "Oh, well, that must be CERN." It created a black hole, which created an alternate dimension that we're now in, <laughs> and that must have changed the movie because that's what essentially <laughs> yeah. the people that follow the Mandela effect think. 
Oh, sorry, it does my head in so much. The degree of narcissism that must be present to think that your memory is perfect and the universe is wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're so exactly. smart that the only way you could be wrong is if the universe shifted in dimension. <laughs> so it does my head in so much. <laughs> so, so the thing that's happened here, right, is that... that um, how many? I mean, how many times have you guys seen Star Wars? Which oh, one? Probably hundred. Yeah. The, the one, the, the second one, the one where Luke's Empire Strikes the, Back. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that's the one where where he says. Probably only about four times, five. actually. Four times. Chris, you said a couple of hundred. A shit ton for me as well. Yeah, I, I can't remember how many times. I, I guarantee you that, that even if you've seen it like I don't know a hundred times or whatever, you've heard the line. Luke, I am your father much more times. So it's an issue of exposure, right? So so the media, when they kind of announced it, they just got the line wrong. One of Someone got the line wrong, and then that kind of uh, snowballed into everyone getting the line wrong in the media around it, including Darth Vader himself <laughs> in an interview. I can't remember his name. Who is it? Mufasa and Darth Vader. Yes. So James you know, he got the line wrong. Yeah. Um, and... Um, oh. Sorry? Or Prowse. Oh, not Prowse. No, not Prowse. <laughs> we forget about Prowse, don't we? Yeah. Um, so, and it's just that exposure. You're exposed to that line way more often, so you just think that that's a line in the film. Mm. And then you remember it as being that line because you kind of merge this thing that you've been exposed to a bunch of times. That must be the line because everyone's saying that's a line. Yeah. And then you merge it with the film, even though you saw the film and that wasn't what you heard. Yeah. So, uh, so just just to confirm, right, just for everyone out there, it wasn't because of a black hole. <laughs> Your memory is not perfect. Per- perfect? <laughs> My words are not perfect either. <laughs> Talking is hard. <laughs> yes. yes. A long day of and drinking the one, in the sun. <laughs> the other one is uh, Walker's Crisps. Do you right. guys remember when they changed their co- the colours of their packets from cheese and onion being green to cheese and onion being blue and vice versa? No. By around the Walkers, haven't they? Yeah, I've always, I've always thought they've been they've they've always been backwards in in my head anyway. Uh, yeah, they have always been backwards. Yeah, uh, and lots of people think that they changed, and they remember hearing an announcement about it changing the packets and stuff, right? Oh, uh, really? Yeah, that's like a really big one. Didn't know that. Oh yeah, Walkers in the nineties changed their packets over, so so cheese and onion used to be green, and then they swapped cheese and onion and salt and vinegar over. So I think it's they're getting confused with Golden Wonder because back yes, then Golden exactly Wonder it. were the other big make yes. and golden wonder oh. had it the standard way that everyone else does it but it was you had those two and sometimes i'd pick up automatically because my wrong mom usually one. bought golden wonder crisps but whenever i picked up walkers i always pick up the wrong one and go why so <laughs> why, your memory why is not false joe your memory is legit because that's what the, walkers actually have on their website um uh, an faq answering the question when did you change your crisp packets colors over <laughs> and they say we never did they say we've we always never done did it that. wrong it's one of the ones i remember because i fucking hate cheese and onion crisps and when i was a kid i had to double check every time i picked up a packet <laughs> to make sure it wasn't being poisoned yeah possibly my favorite flavor but yeah so that's, we'd, do, yeah, that's we'd do well on a multi-pack wouldn't we chris <laughs> 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 so yeah they 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 people think that they swapped over and they're like well uh that never happened what's going on walkers must be lying for some reason 
but it is actually just that Golden Wonder were a bigger company. And then when Gary Lineker became like the face of it, Walker's kind of overtook. So uh, I know in- the really common one is with um, is it Baronstein Bears or something? Oh yeah. yeah, people think it's Bearstein Bears or something like that, isn't it? They think something the name's like- something else, or it's got like it. Yeah. Well, and there's other things like. People like picking out like a, 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 a curve or a curl or something in the Ford logo or something like that, or the fact it's not underlined or something like that. It's like, that's a minor detail. You probably just didn't pay attention to it until right this second. Yeah. And now you're like, oh my God, I never saw that before. Well, no shit, because you never really looked at the logo pro- properly before, you know? Another big one is, um, what's Mandela. his name? Mandela. Nelson Mandela. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, people thought that he died in prison, didn't they? Yeah. 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 Oh, wasn't it Steve Biko or somebody like that? It was someone else, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually time. do. Re- I mean, I, I remember hearing from others that he died in prison uh, and going, but he's, he's been released. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, huh? Sorry? But Alan Titchmarsh did his garden. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, and he led the country for like years. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there are there and are a the fair monopoly few of man. things. Sorry, Chris. The Monopoly Man, whether he had a monocle or not, is another one I seem to remember. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think I did fall um, prey to that one. I could have sworn that he did, and apparently he didn't, or the other way around. I can't remember. Yeah, he doesn't have one. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, I, I swear, I remember. An advert think, or something like that, or, or or one of the quiz machines or something. I swear, I even though I now know from looking it up and it being no, it's never happened. I still in my head think no, it must have done. It, it, I'm so sure. I would argue that that's an expectation. So I think our expectations uh, influence our memories, right? So we're trying to form an expectation, and I think you would expect a man with a top hat and a suit like that and a mustache <laughs> to wear a monocle. <laughs> You could be right. <laughs> so, so when you remember it, your expectation is is planting that in your in your kind of mind, and probably saying, because you've never paid enough attention to it in the first place as well. So it's precisely. filling in the blanks with the expectation. Precisely. And what else influences our expectation is post hoc uh, information, the information that comes in after the experience that then changes our view in the past which is actually crazy. So this is where Loftus comes in. I don't know if Shannon's still watching, but we're talking about Loftus now, Loftus and Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for instance, if you saw a car crash uh, and I said to you, like, oh, how fast was that car going when it smashed into the other vehicle? What do you think you would say compared to, like, if I said, how fast was that car going when it hit the other vehicle? Yes. Uh, right, so it's the the wording you're using. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, we sort of infer from the words you're using. If you're saying smashed rather than hit, smash sounds like it was traveling faster. Therefore, you've yeah. planted something in my my mind. Right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. And and when you imagine that car crash, because I'm sure you all did imagine a car crash when I said uh-huh. that, right? Did you imagine that there was broken glass? Uh, well, actually, yes. I, I imagined a completely crumpled front when you said smashed, and then when you said hit, I imagined a ding. Yeah, so that's it as well. So, so what you can get is you can get two people who've who've looked at the same uh, situation, the same exact crash of a car, and give them two different questions with one word difference. 
mm. and they will come up with completely different answers. Yeah, and so I suppose if language can influence... Sorry. So what you're saying is, if any of us ever have to fill out an insurance claim, use the word bumped. <laughs> yes, <laughs> precisely. <laughs> Unless they are going into you, at which point you say smashed. Yes. Smashed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I forgot what I was going to say, so carry on. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, language. So if language can influence our imagination, then it makes sense that it could influence our memory in the same way, especially if they're yeah. in any sort of way uncertain. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's that kind of like, you know, you don't necessarily pay enough attention. You're passively observing uh, a video, and then you're asked to recall it later on, and someone says, oh, yeah, so when it smashed in, was there any broken glass or anything like that? And then you'll be like, yes, there was. Because you, you just said smashed. Mm. So the car must have been going really fast and there must have been broken glass. And that's what they found in Loftus and Palmer was that the, the they had like five different words they used. It was like it was like hit. Uh, I think bumped was one. I can't remember. Bumped might be a false memory for me right now. Because uh, <laughs> you said you it. Have, you have, and then they have smashed. They have a couple more. And it's like, like the, it. more, the, more, the more severe the word, the more the higher the speed that they estimated. But then also they remember things about the situation that weren't true at all, that they never saw. So like smash glass, crumpled fronts, etc. With uh, the smashed example and then imagining glass, is that also because there's a link, not just with what we imagine the speed to be, but because there's a link between smashing and glass in and of itself? I think yeah. so. That would make sense. Yeah, I think so. Although the fact that I didn't think about glass in that in that regard, does that mean I'm I'm just faulty? Yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go back to the shop. I'm afraid. <laughs> Get a new joke. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of leads on to the second point of today, like leading questions. Yeah. So this is a big thing in 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 the courtroom. Actually, is that you know you can get you can get people who are eyewitnesses to remember details that they didn't have any recollection of before mm. um, and get them to then make claims that not necessarily true through questioning in a specific way. And it's not allowed, but it's almost impossible to actually um, to filter out. Yeah. Because as soon as you've changed that memory, like Chris said earlier, you're, then your next memory of that memory is the previous memory. So you end up building up and that becomes an entrenched belief about the situation. And it's really difficult to get away from that without seeing like, like a, a video of it before and being like, could have sworn there was broken glass in that crash. You know, that's, that's the only way of really kind of like shaking that out of you because it becomes entrenched after that. Uh. I suppose as well with uh, testimony in courtrooms and leading questions, it, it can be, or people Outing their own memory can also be used as a way to create those false memories, right? So if there was an attack, somebody could say, and you don't remember them holding a knife then. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're there like, um, I don't know, do I? And kind of doubting themselves on the fallibility of their memory. Well, on, on yeah. that that subject, I mean, that's that's actually them putting the idea in by saying something in the negative. Because, I mean, when I did my uh, NLP course, God, a long time ago now, one of the things they said was speaking about things in the negative instantly puts the idea in your mind anyway. Like uh, the simple example they always give is, don't think about pink elephants. And what does everyone do in that example? You're instantly thinking about 
pink elephants and so you going they didn't have a knife did they it instantly puts the idea in your head that they had a knife um so yeah yeah and that's how you know you get like a lot of um people kind of like adding details after the fact so their initial kind of like so you get like a either a victim or a witness to a to a to an offense and uh their initial interview they won't have details like oh he had a knife or he was he was this person or anything like that and then later on so they might not even know who it was right and then they go through doing a a, a lineup or something and then they see someone who may resemble the individual may not and then after that point they're adamant that it was that individual mm. an eyewitness testimony makes up like seventy five percent of wrongful convictions in the US so <laughs> so it's a big issue like yeah. False, yeah bad eyewitness testimony is a big issue because it is also one of the most compelling pieces of evidence to juries yeah because you can connect with a person whereas you can't connect with oh well this study said this yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> most jurors don't really even want to be there today they want to get well, because, done with it. <laughs> because we have to trust our memories right you have to be able to trust your memories and if you're told that your memories are really shit, actually, <laughs> uh, you have to accept that it's not just like, oh, if this person's memory is really shit, my, my memory is really shit. We're saying everyone's memory is shit. So you trust your own memory and then therefore you trust other people's memory. If it was him, if they're saying adamantly, yes, I, I absolutely categorically and they're not lying because they believe it, then they have no reason to, to, to not believe that individual. Hmm. Oh, there's a comment that's just come in that might be um, interesting to, to address right now. So it's from Bible. And it says, I have an above average memory, but it's funny that that leads to me basically somewhat controlling group memories and have friends going along with what I misremember initially. It's <laughs> 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 interesting, actually. I mean, I trust his memory. Yeah, because it's better than everyone else's. Yeah. <laughs> and that's almost created a, a Mandela effect. Because <laughs> when he gets it wrong, they just instantly assume, oh, well, he must know what he's talking about. Maybe I'm misremembering. <laughs> uh, really <Yeah>. interesting. <laughs> there, there's also sort of like, at this point, I guess, there is an effect played by in-group bias as well, in a sense, right? You don't want to be the only person out that is saying something different. So if everyone is sort of convinced that something happened, then you sort of start to see that as well, I would, I would imagine at least. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think another absolutely. problem that we have is also exaggeration within groups. So something that happened to me is when I was uh, either last year of school or first couple of years of college, I always used to go around to parties at one of my friend's house. Mm-hmm. She, amazing person. Her mum used to go to a cash and carry, spend like three hundred quid on alcohol. Everybody got royally wasted. It was brilliant. One of these parties, somebody crashed a party and then phoned up and invited a couple of their friends around, and then a couple more. And somebody said, if they phone anybody else up, we're going to have to phone the police. By the time the party came around for next year. Everybody remembered riot vans showing up and a massive fight breaking out between all these people who had gate crashed the party. <laughs> it's like, oh, that just not how? What steps had to happen for a threat of maybe making a phone call? But people were absolutely positive that it happened. Uh, 
and that's that's a really good example. I love yeah. that example. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are kind of like half a dozen people, and they're like, "No, we were here when the van showed up." It's like, but you weren't because they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I was there, and they didn't. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't there. Obviously, <laughs> I wasn't crazy enough to miss a two dozen person brawl and riot van showing up at her house. <laughs> Partly because of the fact that she'd have never been allowed to have another party in her life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the most extreme example that I can relate back from my life. But it's uh, just got from that exaggeration. And like Philip was saying, it's that in-group where somebody's exaggerated it a little bit and everybody's gone along with it. And then somebody else exaggerates it a little bit more. And then... Yeah, people are just sort of like stories told through oral tradition, you know, uh, or you know, the telephone game, or as it was called uh, when I was at school, it was called Chinese Whispers, which I assume it's not allowed to be called anymore for PC terms. I think in America it's called the telephone game, and it's essentially uh, you whisper in someone's ears next to you, and it goes round and round and round and round and round, and when the person who's next to you on this side says what you said. And it nearly always ends up being, uh, you know, something completely different. Um, and, and, and that's a, what you... Sorry. So I was just going to say, in a story told through oral tradition, there's... Uh, that isn't necessarily consciously done. Whereas a story told through oral tradition, if you're a storyteller, you want your story to be interesting, to captivate your audience. So you're going to start exaggerating and you're going to do it sort of that way. So you're t- regaling this experience. And there might be other people who were there... At the, and had the same experience with you and nodding along and going, oh, yes, yes, yes. And then people will pass that story on and on and on and exaggerate it a little bit more to, you know, maintain that audience. And I think that's why a lot of, especially ancient history, does seem to be quite exaggerated in that regard. Yeah. yeah. In the, the, in the Bible, the resurrection story is actually pretty good example of that right because you see this story like from the early accounts it's a very simple story and then as you go on it becomes more extravagant and more extravagant um until you get to sort of non-official um gospels and and then it's like total like totally blown out out of proportion but of course those are not accepted as canonical yeah and if you look through the islamic hadith you can see something similar happening with muhammad they really yeah I quite like the idea that the original resurrection story was Jesus got a bit sick after a dodgy kebab one weekend and then moved to Food poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> he had COVID zero. <laughs> he just got really pissed and had a sleep for two days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's a that's a really good point though. I think that's how a lot of legends are formed. I think I like for instance, I think Greek legends are like the heroes especially, I think, were real people that that did amazing things, but nowhere near as amazing as as the, the legends make out, you know. Yeah. They were just like top quality soldiers like we have today. And I I think that it would be really tough to get those kind of similar legends uh around today because, you know, if somebody says, Oh yeah, Dwayne Johnson did this thing and everyone's like, prove it. I need a video of that. Yeah. <laughs> Rather yeah. than just hearing the story, you know? Um, it is crazy how sm- much we do accept of ancient history, yet today we were so determined on, well, show me that this will happen. It's the information yeah. age, isn't it? It's just how, how, how the information age works. Yeah, in that, in I, that I guess 
I guess it's also it also kind of makes sense because like from history you just you just have that right you don't you don't have you, you cannot pretend to have anything else really because like that's all you're ever gonna get so you, you sort of have to do the best you can with what you have well today like for certain events you could at least in theory pretend to have like some better information I guess um, to and, sort of draw your own, own conclusions yeah, yeah. and. Another thing to remember is back then, recording history wasn't quite like recording history is now. Yep. There weren't people dedicated to it. There were people who would tell stories in town centers and get paid for it. So the better the tale they told, the more money they would make. And then that would be picked up by another historian who would then pass that on and the tale would change. And we're back and to the problem with oral tradition again. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Like a um, good example is the Greeks and with Cleopatra arriving in Greece. And if you look at the Egyptian account, it's very different to the Greek account, which sort of favors Greece and it has more flourish. And it, yeah. it's quite interesting to look at. Yeah. yeah even even but, Ramses, I think, like second, he, he had like a depiction in Abu Simbel of him winning a battle, but it was actually a draw or something like that. Because, yeah. Like, they wanted him to look good. Right, like there's a lot of that, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, even sorry, yeah, go so, on. So, no, I just, I just wanted to say, like, that's why I'm generally not mad at people who are like, I'm not going to say skeptical of everything that comes from history because that is sort of ir irrational, right? But you, you, you can have sort of like, you can see that this is sort of on a different level, right? That you should take it carefully, right? But what I, what I dislike, for example, about sort of um, Jesus, Jesus mythicists is that they seem to, <laughs> to sort of cherry pick, right? Like. If if you're gonna if you're gonna be skeptical about that, right, then you should be skeptical about pretty much everything around that period of time, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you want to if you want to draw that sort of level of skepticism, like fine, but then apply it at least consistently, right? Don't don't go cherry picking this story and be like, oh, we don't have enough evidence here, but for the rest of it, you're you're fine with it. But Especially when you consider, of... actually, there is more evidence for uh, Jesus the man, not 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 the the, yeah, the biblical yeah, Jesus, but Jesus the man, than there are from a lot of other stories at that time. You know, yeah, and, exactly. and isn't, it, isn't it that? Sorry to interrupt. Um, isn't uh, it that they historians tend to agree on two two things: that Jesus was born, and that Jesus was crucified. Like they uh, know that Jesus existed in 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 that like was born around that time and that he was crucified but i don't know like, if they can say the that was... not necessarily i mean yeshua the man but jesus's brother is another common one james yeah, yeah, yeah. what i was going to bring yeah. up all oh, right i haven't really looked into it to be honest yeah but like so. what, what i'm trying to say is is it, it's like it's almost natural i would say to look at the evidence that is there and and then to say oh well this is not good evidence because you're comparing it to the standard of evidence from today, right? Today, for any event yeah. that happened. And, and but that's not what realistically you're going to get, right? So you have to sort of compare it with the rest of what is available for the time. And, and I think that is where the problem usually arises with, with Jesus. And this, is, this, this is a really, not, this is another like um, really important point around academia and misunderstanding what uh, an academic kind of uh, field of study uh uses and tries to achieve right because historians they get their answers in a different way to scientists right yeah but people who have been like led down the route of science and who are trying to kind of understand uh the world in a scientific lens and stuff and apply everything they've learned about the scientific scientific method to every other field of study like philosophy to 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 history to everything and and it doesn't fit because it's not the tool to, for that job 
you know yeah, yeah. historians yeah. historians have to have to work with this this absence of information and and try and piece yeah. together all these little puzzle pieces like yeah. you know this type of pottery and and this type of sword and this building and and these skeletons and stuff like that and and work to get use all that information and bring it together to make a, a something that makes sense yep yeah, yeah. That's and, and, exactly it's why evidence is paradigmatic. There's yeah. a joke, isn't there, that if we use the scientific method, the only thing we can tell about the ancient Greeks is there are a bunch of skeletons that lived underground and collected both. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. That's funny. <laughs> um, I do actually think Beeble has a really good point as well, though. Like conspiracy theories might be like like the legends of the future. Maybe that's going to be the thing that that people believe about our time due to the, the kind of amount of information that's there about it at the moment like stuff around not necessarily QAnon stuff i think that's a bit far but maybe stuff around like you know uh, uh covid as a weapon and 5g and stuff like that you know that might be the, right. the stuff that gets passed on that's that's a false memory of you know oh yeah you know this was something that that is something that happened when actually it didn't happen <laughs> you know <laughs> 5G coronavirus is a weapon and I can prove it. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I was a 4G phone before I got my vaccination. <laughs> and then the label printed itself after yeah. the atoms <laughs> rearranged itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I uh, what's his name? Uh, Avocado Wolf. Yeah, he's probably got a cure for coronavirus, which is something like bitter apricot kernels thrown into a Nutribullet. And <laughs> uh, actually, I I haven't heard from him in a while. Actually, I haven't heard anything about him in a long time. He he was doing the rounds for for a really long period and being, uh, I mean, so much crazy stuff. And I actually haven't heard of him in in forever. Maybe taking the money and run. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Or maybe maybe he got a virus. It is quite worrying that there is the potential of these conspiracy theories being the legends. A time where we have more information than ever before in human history and people in the future are going to look back and think that we were all flat earthers and anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well. I really so hope like not. we look back and think that everyone around like Galileo's time was a flat earther when they weren't. <laughs> not everyone was. Not everyone was, you know, so. Well, yeah, I mean, even even in ancient Greece, they, they weren't flat earthers, were they? No. Uh, it, 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 after that, more people became flat earthers. So yeah. as, as time goes on, more people <laughs> <laughs> become flat earthers, and the more we can test and prove that the earth is not flat, the more people believe it's flat. <laughs> I mean, what's that? What, 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 what? <laughs> Does that that's fit beyond, into tonight? That's beyond my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> can, it's a paradox. A, like, <laughs> you can book a flight to space now. Let's hope that this, <laughs> this will bring stuff to an end. Although, like, I'm sure that they're going to claim that the windows are displaced or something like that. Like, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Well, I tell you what, just break the window whilst you're up there. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah, air's a myth. They don't need it. <laughs> oh, have you seen those people that are like, um, what are they called? Uh, breath, breath of air? Breath, breath of, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> what, 
Yeah. You can survive on breath alone for a month. <laughs> and they clearly oh. all eat as well. They clearly all eat. <laughs> you can yeah. tell. There was some Australian woman who claimed to be a breatharian and then got caught eating at a restaurant <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Does it count if you eat your food really fast? Because people say that you inhale it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like it. <laughs> I mean, I, I could be a breatharian if that's all you need. <laughs> How do we just get onto conspiracy theorists? This is like the Joe Rogan show now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Wouldn't you be saying they're all true if they if we were on that one? They are all true. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> what does it all mean? <laughs> So uh, we, we covered off false memory and the Mandela effect. Um, there was something else that you wanted to cover as well tonight, which is something that we've had a conversation about before. Um, yeah, this we, is my favourite part of this whole thing, to be honest. Oh, well, you take it away. So facial, facial recognition skills, right? Mm. So most people think they're pretty good at it. I don't. Most people aren't <laughs> very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so there's a there's a there's an average. Um, uh, so this is actually what I did my undergrad uh, dissertation in. So um, yeah, it's quite interesting. There's an average level of face recognition. So if you're given like ten faces, you'll be able to recognize six of them again. So sixty percent uh, is the average, um, and that that's kind of like it seemed like loads of people just accepted that as the the baseline for a lot of time. But actually, what we're finding is that it's an inbuilt skill. You have a skill in face recognition. So your ability to, and, and, and let me, so this is, it's not different. If you see a face for 10 seconds and then you, uh, wait two minutes and then you're showing a bunch of faces and you have to pick the person out, right. Compared to if you have somebody's driver's license and, uh, below that is a list of faces, a bunch of faces, the 60% still stands. So people are just as bad at recognizing faces that are right next to each other as they are uh, if there's a gap, which right. is a bit shocking, right? Yeah. Well, and implication. Probably, so it does depend how long you get to see the face. Exposure is a big factor, yeah. Yeah, exposure is a big factor. So, you know, if you have two minutes to see the face and you're more familiar with it, and then you're more likely. In fact, we're very good at recognizing familiar faces. I was going to so, say, you don't use this as an excuse to ignore your children when they call you. I don't remember <laughs> your face. <laughs> Unless you have prosopagnosia, in which case you have no no recognition of anyone's faces, <laughs> ever. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between Einstein and Marilyn Monroe. Like, that's, that's, that's what prosopagnosia Apart is from about. the tits. That, that's literally how they tell, is the external kind of features, like the hair and that. So, you know, if you can... That really cool picture, which is Marilyn Monroe and Einstein overlapping mm. for each other, don't they? Yeah. It's, it's, is that the distance you're at from the picture yeah. that it changes? Yeah, I like that picture. Yeah, some of it's fuzzy and some of it's in fine detail. So the further away you are, the less you can see the fine detail and the fuzzy uh. Marilyn... I think it's Marilyn Monroe's fuzzy. But as you get closer, the wrinkles and stuff of sharp detail come into focus and you can see Einstein. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, I I actually struggle with faces. Um, A lot of the time when I I see someone again, I go, 
I swear you don't look like that, but you obviously do because you're you and I recognize your voice and your mannerisms. And I'm, I'm quite good at picking up on people's mannerisms. And generally, if I say that person looks like that one, I'm talking about their mannerisms or they remind me of them because of the way they enunciate their words. Uh, but I have a lot of trouble remembering faces. Um, and, and I have to link them to something else. And I've got a friend who... Uh, for for three months, I mean, I'm terrible with names as well, so this really doesn't help. But I, I I started work for this company, and for three months he was guy that looks like the guy. Uh, there's sorry, guy that looks like the Jewish guy that played the Indian guy in Short Circuit. That was <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was the only way I could think. And, and yeah, <laughs> that's a funny way of thinking. But that's yeah, so, sort of how I have to relate things. That's how people uh, come up, and and that's how I remember people is is generally that way, and that's how I I manage to start building their features in my head as well. Is that sort of association with other things? I can't just think, oh yeah, they look like this and had these kind of eyebrows, and uh, it's not that. It's well, you know, they kind of reminded me of a hamster. Yeah. See, as we're on facial recognition and mannerisms and we have a bit of a wider audience at the moment i have to do a poll i'm not the only person who thinks that joe is like nish kumar am i do you know who nish kumar well enough to to make that claim i'm afraid don't know who it is yeah i I mean we've we've got a big nose i i I think it's just because he's a non-threatening beta male Uh... (laughs) (laughs) that's funny um. <laughs> so actually, think, thinking about mannerisms and body language and stuff like that, uh, it's only twenty percent. You you can recognise people's bodies far less than you can recognise their faces. Yeah. So if you were to uh, like say you were to see CCTV of somebody who somebody who committed a crime, uh, you might not be able to tell who that is. But then someone who knows them really well will instantly be able to tell, and you'll get like twenty percent right at the time, depending on your skill level. It is skill level as well. Like it's an innate skill. Like. Um, and there's no evidence that it increases like, through practice. So there's no way of training it. So right? is it even a skill then if you can't improve yeah. it? Okay, it's not a skill. It's a, it's a trait. Okay. Is that a better In- word? Sorry, Chris, you cut out there. More of a talent than a skill. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, some people are really good at it and some people are not so good at it. And essentially the problem is, uh, so this is what my supervisor was going into is that you have uh, a bunch of people at airports who might be really shit at recognising faces, even if it's right next to the, to another image of that individual, uh, allowing, uh, making a judgement <laughs> about whether this person is the same person and allowing them to enter and exit the country, right? There have been known terrorists who have gotten into and out of the country many, many times by just using someone else's passport. Yeah. Because of that very reason, because the, the, the facial recognition skills of the individuals at the passport checkout is bad. And my supervisor was doing lots of research at like Gatwick Airport and um, seeing if this skill is any different or if training would help and stuff. And it's not. It's 60%. Some people are really bad at it. Some people are very good at it. And um, it's not trainable. So it's a massive security risk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is why they're getting computers to do it now. Computers are 60% as well. Oh, really? I wonder if (laughs) it's partially due to what we were discussing when we were talking about AI, 
where there's a bias or more of an ability within one's own racial and ethnic group as well. So yeah, that's the same race bias. Yeah, that's a that's a real factor. So you're more likely to get a higher score for people in your own race than you are to get a score from people outside of your race. Um yes, that's, a, that's a yeah. So that used to seeing, yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, but I think um it's sixty percent with the, so the study I did was uh came out at sixty percent average score. Um and I didn't actually take the race into account but all of the people who were targets were white so that was actually a um because i read it earlier i remember this now um a limitation on my study is i didn't take the same race bias into account when i was researching it um so, so this not being good at recognizing faces but being good at recognizing sort of traits and stuff is that part of the thinking behind like the exaggerated features in PhotoFit? does that influence it oh yeah yeah i think so yeah, like when the police draw it. Um, not just that. When you see them on screen and they've got like a the nose is exaggerated or the square chin is a little bit over exaggerated. Oh, do I you mean they've them. they've exaggerated it in order to make it more memorable? Yeah, or more noticeable, or potentially. But it might also be that the the person who is uh, saying it might have over exaggerated that in their head as well. The person okay. who's like helping to draw it, I'm not sure. Um, I know that photo fits are particularly bad um, in terms of actually having any effect in the, the catching of a um, offender. I, I'm, I'm thinking as well, um, <laughs> because of this like missing persons, people like John Doe's and Jane Doe's, you often see like a picture, do you recognize this person? And the picture is slightly deformed and the features are over-exaggerated. So, so I guess the idea is that um, if you if you know the person, it's a bit like, you know, when they show CCTV images... Familiar faces and familiar bodies, you can recognize really well. Like, I, could, I, I would be able to tell, uh, you know, when you pick someone out really far away that you think you know, and you're like, oh my God, it is yeah. that person. And you don't know how you caught, because there's just a bunch of other people there. Based on That's their gait or something. Yeah, exactly. You know that person's walk and stuff. So your, your, your brain picks up on it. You're like, that's a, that's a person I know. And you need to be able to do that in order to make sure that you know where people are and stuff. But yeah, when it's a stranger, you have no idea. Like, it's basically impossible to pick them out. They just look like another person. Which is it's really interesting when you get to know an actor, um, and then you start seeing them in everything. Because you you realize yeah, actually, I suffer that a lot. And it gives me every film. Yeah, because you you start to familiarize yourself with their face and stuff, and it might have been a smaller part in a different in a different movie, so they weren't the main part or whatever. Um, and it's the same thing. So you become more familiar, and then you can pick people out better. Um, and I guess with those. Uh, photo fits they're hoping that people who are familiar with that person will see the resemblance um, but they have had a back fire once I think there was a person who was murdered I think it was in like Thailand or something and they did a photo fit and it looked like this other guy who was a suspect anyway um, and then they arrested him and he spent a couple of years in jail and then they reopened the case because they found out that there was different DNA on the bodies or something I can't remember this case exactly and then um they looked around again and found the guy that actually did it. And he looked very much like the guy that was um, originally arrested. So, and he looks more like the photo fit actually. <laughs> so they both look like the photo fit, which is the issue. So. Yeah. There was um, something happened recently on YouTube and TikTok where a TikTok went about with this woman with two black eyes and 
everybody thought it was this missing girl and there was this whole craze about producing videos to get her name out there and it turned out to be a completely different girl oh wow okay yeah something similar to that just because yeah. the faces had some similarities sort of similarities yeah yeah I'm pretty sure, though, that like AI is better than 60% at recognizing faces. At least, like, if you think about that, like, there is, for example, I, I don't know if you guys use Google Photos, uh, but like, there is this built-in feature that where where it can categorize faces, right? Yeah, and both so Google Photos search, and Amazon Photos do that. Yeah, and and you can search for the name of the person, then it shows all like in in all pictures that you have where that person is, and it, it works like really really well. Like I haven't had a missed hit I think ever, and it starts with a very small sample size where it asks you, you know, is this you? And then you have to confirm, right? But after a while, it it sort of it sort of gets it, and then and then it's very hard. It struggles with it. babies because all babies look the same. But other than that, yeah, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, I've, I've had like photos of me when I was like much younger, and it still recognized me, right? Like I was really impressed with that. Like from ten years old or something, right? It still, it still was able to tell that it was me. So, like, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not sure know. the 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 software in Air, I think it's the airport software that that my yeah, supervisor said it, it might it might be different. Yes, and I'm not sure if it's AI based. I think it's more of a like a single program that just just like matches features to the features on the oh, yeah. photo. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. it doesn't build up its information like most AIs does, and it doesn't do any machine learning. It's yeah. just like, oh, this this face structure is like this, and this face structure is the same. Yeah. So they're the same person. Yeah, because there, is, there, there are sort of uh, facial unlock methods on phones nowadays as well, right? And they seem to yeah. be very very secure. So like, yeah, it just seems weird as a general sort of assessment of of AI or computing system. Yeah. I imagine the airport one is similar to the systems they use in casinos and that in the place Las Vegas. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, it might be more like sort of measuring eye distance and sort of trying to match that data instead of sort of an AI approach where you have sort yeah. of a large database and then try to sort of brute force it in a way. I think an AI but, would probably be better to be honest because then it's going to get better the more people go through. And the amount of people that go through airports, you're going to get a lot of data really quickly. So yeah going to be more accurate so yeah i mean steen raised the point that we we discussed uh a, a little while uh ago in our artificial ethics stream where um ai in general is biased by the data so it carries the same human bias yeah, in, in most cases and that, and that is true but obviously if you give the AI, the ability to pick up its own data, like you were saying in an airport, and it was, you know, over time, you know, was looking at these things bit by bit. You'd hope, you'd hope that it would improve. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, well said, though. Uh, also, uh, Bible uh, has asked a question um, from, uh, I think it was from a little while ago, and says, is that true for people you know for a long time, or is it, is that more mannerisms you recognize too? I assume that was when I was talking about how I, I struggle to recognize people. And yeah, even people I know well and know for a long time, um, I, I do still struggle. It's still more the mannerisms and the way they speak and things like that. Even when we jump on stream sometimes, um, I, I, I do have a moment of, oh yeah, that is what you look like. Or I don't remember you having that on your face <laughs> or something along those lines. Another interesting point about this is context. So say a kid would be able to pick their teacher out really easily in school, 
But if they see them in town, because they're not used to them in that different context, they just don't recognise them in the slightest. That's true. I don't People get that with celebrities, don't they? The difference between seeing them on a screen and seeing them in person. Yeah, well, they're not doled up. They're wearing normal clothes. You don't expect yeah. to see them there, so you don't. You just assume that they're a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've completely blanked people I've worked with in the past because I didn't like them. From now on, I'll just point them to the stream and, and say, like, yeah, 60% chance that like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't recognise you. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> was just one of those 40% of times where I didn't. That is, to be fair, that is only for unfamiliar people. So so, yeah. so they might be like, what? You're not familiar with me. Yeah, <laughs> I see yeah, you yeah. every day. It's more, it's it more like... We have unfamiliar people, granted, but it's only slightly better than chance. Yeah. yeah. Which, because 60% doesn't sound that bad, until you do realise that it's only ten percent better than chance. So I think I think yeah. I think it's actually a bit more than ten percent, just because I think the lineups that they wait a second, I'm just trying to think the way the study works. No, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a useful thing if you're a drug dealer, because once the face starts becoming familiar, you know you're being followed by the cops. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think there's five different responses you can have though, and four of uh, two of them are right because it's difficult. It's difficult to say what what the chance level is. Everything fifty fifty. Either it's true or it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you're given you're given you're given a face, and then you're given like uh, eight faces to to pick out from afterwards, right? So you've got uh, essentially a one in eight chance in that situation to get an answer right, and then you repeat that forty times. And some of the times the face isn't there. So you have the face is there and you get it right. The face is there and you get it wrong. Uh, the face isn't there and you get it right. The face isn't there and you get it wrong. Or you say that the face... Oh, wait, what's the fifth one? Or that you say the face isn't there, but it is there. So that's the fifth one, yeah? yeah. There's five options. So is that one in five chance that you get it right? No, because more than one of those is getting it right. So that's a two out of five chance of getting it right. So yeah, it is better than a... 10% above chance. There's a 40% chance of getting it right. People get it right 60% yeah. of the time. So, yeah. Only very slight. Yeah. Yeah. But still, it's only 20% better. It's only 20% better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some people, some people on my study got zero. That means zero. that they, that means that they didn't recognize anyone. Worse, worse than chance. Yeah. They got every answer <laughs> wrong. I, I, At that point, you've got to think that they're actually so good that they're getting it wrong on purpose. Like <laughs> Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Like the only way you can get zero on this test is to know all of the answers and get it wrong on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Babel says, uh, I never recognise people while driving. I just seem to classify everything uh, as dangerous or safe. 
And I think that, that again, comes back to the context thing that we were just discussing. There can be different contexts which uh, heavily alter the, the, the way that we see us. And do you know what? That's probably a really sensible way to drive because many people are very, very easily distracted and they see someone and they beep and they look this way and they wave and, you know, you're like, uh, the road's in front of you. What the fuck are you doing? Um, yeah, I suppose us non-drivers shouldn't really say those things. <laughs> I don't know anyone in my area, so I can't get distracted like that. <laughs> Just beep and wave at everyone, and then some people are going to create what I do. memories. <laughs> oh, that's funny, though, if you do that, because you know what people do? They go, wait, who did I? Who do I know? Uh, who do I know that looks like that? And then they message the person that they think it was. Say, did you beep at me? I could have sworn it was you. <laughs> Mm. It's it's crazy though to think that we are as bad as that. There's another factor as well that makes it even worse, right? So there's this thing called unconscious transference. Mm. So it's where uh, say say you get mugged, Joe, uh, okay, and you get a reasonable look at the guy, um, and he runs off, yeah, and then you you end up like calling the police or whatever. You start walking home because the the police aren't going to come out for it for whatever reason. You know they're like, oh, we'll deal with it later because the shit. And then you end up walking home and you see someone else on the, on the walk home just in passing, right? You might remember that's the person that mugged you rather than the person who actually, actually mugged did. you. Because you've transferred uh, a second piece of information into, into the first piece of information place because it's still in a significant zone and you've just moved that thing. So sometimes you know we might remember somebody saying something or somebody doing something and actually it was someone else. It's just because of that transfer of information that unconscious transference because it's still something important or something like that that's just swapped it out it's within the it's within the vicinity of an important moment in something like a mugging as well especially i imagine that's really quite easy for it to happen because in that massive high adrenaline moment your brain's not worrying about cataloging what somebody's face looks like and Precisely. then later on when the adrenaline's worn off a bit and your brain's starting to get into that mode of shit what did they look like that kind of situation i imagine it's really quite likely to happen yeah and you see this a lot especially if you have uh the uh the same race bias as well and you know you you're you're white and you see another black person on the way back uh or something like that or you get taken to a lineup and you're like yes that's the person there was a black person that mugged you, you're automatically going to just transplant that person in your head. That's why it's sometimes the, um, like shady cops will just have like a, a, a bunch of white people and then have one black person as the, as uh, the only black person, even though they know that the description was a black person and they'll just put one person in there. And then the person who's, <laughs> who's uh, making the, the charge or making a claim that something happened will say, yeah, that's the person. That's got to be fucking illegal. It is illegal, yeah. It is illegal, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Because they're just trying to pin it on someone. A really good film about that whole thing, actually. If Bill Street could talk. If what? Really. If Bill, if Bill Street could talk. I don't think I've seen that one. No, Never fine. even heard of it. Yeah. It's a really good film about uh, the, that kind of situation. Hmm. Where somebody's falsely identified as a perpetrator of a crime that they didn't commit. What's if the name Bill of the Street came, the campaign, the Innocence Project. That's the one, yeah, yeah. That's a really good. That, that they they most they deal with a lot of people on death row, 
but they also do other other things. But yeah, the Innocence Project, where they're trying to get people who have been put on death row who are innocent, um, and there's loads of evidence to suggest they're innocent and stuff, but have been that's where the stat about seventy five percent of wrongful wrongful convictions are from eyewitness testimony comes from the Innocence Project. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good. It's a good thing to get. They have lots of videos and stuff on their on their work, and it's shocking how little evidence some people need to convict someone of uh, quite horrible crimes. Yeah, I suppose there's the worry as well, though. If <laughs> if it's an incredibly horrible crime, you almost want to do everything you can to remove the danger, but you're so focused on removing the danger you actually don't remove the danger. <laughs> you just remove something you think is the danger. And it makes you feel better because you feel like, oh, well, the danger's gone. So this is yeah. actually... Uh, sorry. I was just going to say it sort of flips the innocent until proven guilty thing because yeah. you're looking to make sure that somebody who might be guilty doesn't get back out on the street. That's it, yeah. And this is this is the, the thing, like my supervisor, I don't know how far he's moved on this since i was last at uni but he was working on stuff around introducing a test to give people uh who make claims eyewitness claims about how good their facial recognition is so if they're saying it's someone you know it basically tests how reliable they are as a witness because if they're really crap at at facial recognition then they're not going to be a reliable witness right if they're really good they're more reliable but then it it is uh the issue is is that going to cause more people who are... So it's obviously going to make innocent people uh, less likely to be convicted, right? But is it also going to make it harder to convict people who are actually guilty of the crime? This is what I was going to raise as well, because we're proving quite well how bad testimony is, how bad facial recognition is. But say this situation where Joe got mugged, if he's the only evidence there is and he's sure that person three in the lineup is the person, what do we do then? Because we can't just throw that out as a justice system, but we also can't rely on it. Because Joe specifically isn't reliable around faces. (laughs) Especially, yeah. No. I mean, I don't know how we then address that as a justice system. I'd have to get them to run, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) so i'd get it it, it, are they allowed to do that in lineups because that would i say like i need to see them running away from you they get (laughs) the usual suspects they get you to you can get them to do things yeah Yeah. say say what's on the card it's usually just voice and kind of visual recognition though with the lineup. not that i have any experience in it or anything (laughs) get them to start singing backstreet boys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> isn't that a family guy one no brooklyn 99 that's it oh yeah yeah <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah it, so if it wasn't joe say it is somebody who does better than chance on a facial recognition test there is still a chance that they're wrong mm-hmm. so where do we go as a justice process in part of the justice system if we recognize that testimony is so inaccurate and facial recognition is so inaccurate do we get to a point where we just say well no none of that matters anymore you have to have abc proof before we'll even think about charging them i mean i personally think the justice system is set up in a weird way anyway and it leaves the victims out of the equation entirely almost 
And I think that if there is a situation where it can't be proven one way or the other if somebody is guilty, uh, you know, it, it seems highly likely that that's the case because this person is adamant, but that's the only evidence we have, so we probably aren't going to get conviction, right? Yeah. Any situation like that, I think that the victim, uh, the victim's kind of uh, safety and the victim's uh, kind of well-being should be the forefront of that, not the conviction. And that's where we should pour resources into, like, counselling, into support networks, into uh, making sure that they have uh, the legal right to to prevent that individual from accessing them in the future. And for me, that's that's the, that's how uh, the justice system should work. Is because you know that person feels like they have been offended against. Right? There's been a crime committed against them. And they're just left on the sideline whilst the police go off and do their work and then the person either gets convicted or not. And then afterwards, there's nothing, essentially. So yeah. that's what I that's what I think it should it should happen because I think you're right. You know, you're in a you're between the rock and a hard place in terms of actual convictions and justice. Let's let's try and figure out, you know, how, how do we support the victim in that situation to make sure that they're not re traumatized by the individual going free. Steen says the uh, the justice system does take some of this into account now and is starting to deal with these Maybe issues. Maybe in Scandinavia. But way too slow, though. <laughs> Scandinavia is notoriously progressive in the justice system department and Very is a, a, a beacon for what we should be aiming for our justice system to be. It did qualify that after the statement as well. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, as bad as you might be implying because I was mugged a few years ago. I was jumped by three people, ended up having a chunk of my face replaced with titanium. And the police then kept me up to date with what was going on. They put me in touch with a counsellor who came around afterwards and I had the option of seeing them for months if I wanted to. So there is an aspect of that personal care to it. But it's yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. I think it's okay. Yeah, I probably was uh, exaggerating. It's not. It's not absent entirely, but it's not. And I think it is very much um, police force specific. So, like, you'll get a different. Like, if you were in a different part of the country, then you'll get a different reaction based on the police force. A bit like how NHS trusts are very yeah. different, even though they all should be the same, right? So it's it's kind of. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's not absent, but it could be could be much improved, especially for victims of sexual assault and, and, and anything yeah. like that. I was just about to say, I think it does depend to a certain degree as well on the severity, because somebody yeah. tried to mug me again a couple of years ago, and there was nothing afterwards apart from a phone call saying, we caught one of them. But <laughs> the first time, because I'd been rather significantly injured, I had a counsellor offered to me, and there was a lot of follow-up. And the second time... Although it was the same basic attempt at a crime, there was a lot less. Well, obviously, you'd had that first experience, so the second experience is going to traumatise you again, and they should know that because they should have that information, right? Like that, They don't have any information on the victims. This is the problem. They don't have any information on victims. It's all about offenders, and that's a, that's a big issue. Like They should know that, oh, this person's had this done some before. Let's make sure that they're fine. So you didn't end up essentially having the same as your medical record but as a victim of crime victim record (laughs) yeah maybe not call it a victim record though (laughs) but yeah i i think so what would you call it 
probably what would it... something like victim of crime record probably sounds better to be fair <laughs> yeah. call it Steve I call everything Steve <laughs> speaking of which we're actually that's one of the names we're going for for the daughter <laughs> no. Stevie <laughs> we haven't decided yet but that's that's one of the ones in the mix <laughs> hmm so I guess the, the, sorry. sorry, go for it, Philip. No, like I, I want to salvage, I guess, a bit uh, the argument that sort of eyewitness testimony can be sort of helpful still, right? Like I think it's it depends on the com- configuration because, like, we we know that, for example, that sort of if if, if eyewitness testimony is independent from many people. So that you can stack it, you, you can you can stack it, and you can have like a probabilistic calculation even with sort of zero point six odds that they each got it right, right? If if you have enough of this data set in in a specific way, then you could get to a very high degree of probability that it actually was this person, um, I guess. And but but like it has to be a very specific setup, right? They they um, they cannot communicate with each other, right? They, they, there has to be sort of a completely independent account from each person. And yeah. then you could have this sort of reasoning in place where, where you can get very high degrees of confidence. Um, also, another thing that I wanted to add, which is not really related necessarily to the face recognition stuff, but I think in general, and this surprised me because I was really bad at this as well, um, is that people generally tend to have very bad um reasoning when it comes to inductive reasoning in general right like for, for instance i have put out a tweet a couple of weeks back with a with a sort of um i guess poll um w- with an example from from uh, an inductive logic book that i was reading where there is this sort of scenario where there are sort of taxis of different colors right a few of them are blue a few of them are green sort of a, there is an eyewitness testimony that says that it is it was a green taxi or something, but it is like 80% reliable. And and people generally tend to discount um, how much background information matters because you have this sort of information on how many taxis exist in the city, and this sort of sways like the, the results greatly mm, in terms really of did. you know what is the most probable outcome, even though this witness is 80% reliable, right? In these circumstances, then it turns out that the that the opposite of what uh, this witness was reporting uh, is more likely, actually. So, so the, the intuitions there are very, very, very bad from people, uh, I, I think. And, and the so point showed... to believe the the person saying the thing. Yeah. Right? So, uh, so yeah. Th- so there was a side sw- swiped car, uh, basically, and eighty percent, like, um, sorry, yeah, eighty five percent of taxis are green, and uh, the rest are blue. And uh, a witness is saying that it is a blue taxi, and this witness was tested and is eighty percent reliable. Right. Like most people would think, including me, that, you know, if the witness was tested and is 80 percent reliable, right, 80 percent of the time it reports the truth, then it's 80 percent. Right. That the probability of, of it getting right. Right. The probability of her, let's say, reporting the correct color is 80 percent. So it is probably a blue taxi. Being, but in actuality, it's it's like it's likely that it is that it is a green taxi um, because of of the fact that there are many more green taxis. Then there are blue ones, and so this is sort of a sampling rate uh, thing, and uh, yeah, most of pe- most people got it uh, incorrectly. Like the vast majority, only like 
27% of people got it right, but even then, well, so, because so, so, some so, people started to post the correct I, the, the Part of that, though, as well, was that the question, the way it was worded, wasn't exactly clear in itself anyway. Yeah, that is true. That is true. That, that, was that, that, that kind of leads directly into kind of what we're discussing, where, you know, you have a, um, a court, right, a courtroom, and you have a jury full of people, and you're, you're told that this, this eyewitness is adamant that they saw this individual in yes. the light of their thing, right? And then, and then you hear, okay, but uh, they didn't have any kind of uh, of the uh, I don't know gun residue on their hands. They were found on the other side of the town, and all this stuff. There's low, like you end up having all this information that's stacked against that that hypothesis essentially. Uh, but they still go, well, you know what? That but that eyewitness is adamant that it was that person, and then they're convinced by that. Same yes. thing. Same yes. thing. Yes, I think like the, the my aim was to show that these sort of things are sort of surprising, and there are many things that intuitively seem correct, which might not actually be that. Mm, yeah, and and that. and this is a, yeah, this is the thing of like um like eyewitness testimony isn't as simple as common sense, and that's that's the thing that uh you know all of the studies on eyewitness testimony have shown, and this goes back to the, like the seventies, um that that it's not as simple as like common sense where we can trust people and. That is the, the it, it's just it still continues to be used in court and it's like like surely that's something that we need to learn from because it, it's it's shocking how much how many people are wrongly convicted because of it it is absolutely shocking mm. yeah well, and, and other it, stuff and know, in some like, respects you know, though so you, you sort of need it in court as well you need it as part of your evidence but it's a shame it sways the jury so you need to take the human element out of it you need a lawyer to read out this is the eyewitness statement and that is the information you've got and it needs to be the initial statement yes yeah yeah not, none not of the stuff statement. that yeah exactly no completely agree with you so you still need the eyewitness testimony this is what they have reported on the on the case there you go but that is what is read out rather than, you know, badgering the witness and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. I've got a question about this thing. Saying about it has to be the initial statement. Mm. So we covered about how we start to fill in parts of the memory and transferring and implanting and stuff like that. But also, is everything where you start to remember something more clearly implanting and transposing more stuff in or is there sometimes a case that actually you are properly remembering things better over time memories become clearer because that's I, a good question because if the latter is at least sometimes true then using the initial statement isn't necessarily going to be the best outcome well i might remember yeah. Uh, oh no yeah he had green shoes on i remember now because i saw how it contrasted against the white car i suppose but, if the initial statement is done when you are in an, an emotive state there is a big chance that you're you know if you haven't had a chance to calm down sit back reflect on it and mm -hmm. think of it so maybe you need the and the initial it's statement like, and the secondary a few state. days later yeah, yeah. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think you need that you just need to not do the initial statement immediately after the the event and you need to not have you know you need to not have uh kind of sense made for that person or ask them questions that might have led them on in a certain direction or whatever um before that yeah i agree with that but also back to the actual question of why i asked that 
are memories sometimes actually becoming more clear over time? Or do you think it's always a case of false memories and contextualizing and therefore becoming less true? I think I think what it is is uh, so if we're thinking if we're thinking specifically around a situation where somebody's been offended against whatever the offense is could be a mugging could be a uh, you know somebody burgling the house or whatever there's an initial point where you are in a heightened state like Joe said and your ability to recall things is a lot is quite impaired in those like I'm sure all of us know that when we're more emotional we can't remember stuff as much like when you get into a heated argument then you cannot remember for the life of you why that argument even started in the first place because it's your your memory's just blocked off. And you're like, why are we even arguing? Yeah. So you're in a heightened emotional state. And then and then and then as you come down from that, you de-escalate, you begin to be able to remember those things more clearly because you're 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 able to, because your head's a bit clearer. And I think that that's probably what it is. And that can take a few days. That's not like if you're in really high highly escalated then that's not going to just happen in a few hours or or something so i think that's probably what it is but then as that process carries on you will start to fill in the gaps so there's probably like i would say and i i I haven't read the research on this so this is uh an educated guess but i would probably say there's probably like a goldilocks zone where you you can go that's the perfect time but it would be very person specific to get the correct information yeah, and there's no. I, I can't imagine there being the resource to be able to analyze that for each individual immediately after an event, right? But that—that's why I would. That was what I would say is that there's a point where it is the most accurate memory that person can have, and then it starts to become warped by other information that comes in afterwards. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, as we you were saying before, of at that heightened moment, you're not always making the memories and you're transposing more stuff in straight away afterwards. Yeah, it's really difficult. Yeah. Do you, out of curiosity, do you think that it can be possible sort of to, to have an event trigger actually a better recollection of, of, of a memory? Like, say, because this is something that you hear a lot, right? When someone experiences something, you suddenly remember something. Yes, um, I mean, think about how your olfactory senses can sometimes... Smell is one of the best. Yeah, yeah. so all of a sudden you remember something. So you could have an, an, an event where something happens and you go, oh my God, that's made me remember this thing uh, yeah. as well, because you're in a similar context. The question is, is that which you are filling in at that point, is, is that which you're actually recalling an actual memory or is it more like sort of a reconstruction that is filled in with a lot of stuff. Like, I have an yeah, answer for this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's an there's a interview technique called a cognitive interview. Um, mm-hmm. And essentially what they do is they try and get as much information as possible. So they ask you to do uh, very different... Uh, they ask you to do it in different ways. So they might ask you to uh, think about the... Um, the smells that you you were there uh, that were present on the at the event right they might ask you to talk about it backwards uh to imagine yourself being there to what was the air like to to, tell tell you about the environment and stuff like that get you into a position because our memory is much better if we're in the same environment that the memory was formed so like for instance if you're revising for an exam if you were to revise in the exam hall you'd do much better on the test than if you were to revise in your bedroom right not everyone has an episode of house as well 
Right. Oh, do they? Well, it's an actual thing. House is quite good at, I think, being quite accurate in terms of that stuff. There so. was an accident on a bus where there's a bus crash and there was somebody sick who he was with, but he can't remember. He's got retrograde amnesia or whatever they call it from the accident. So he gets in a bus to try and remember things. Oh, that's cool. In the pile of clothes of all of the passengers while they're in hospital to try and that olfactory memory as well yeah yeah sometimes with this cognitive interview they even take you to the to the location and ask you the questions in the location so it's trying to build up the biggest association you possibly can but you get so what happens is you get way more information than you would do if you had a, a regular interview but and that's it includes more accurate details but you get way more inaccurate details as well Oh, really? So the level of the level of accurate details increases like considerably, but that you also get a lot more inaccurate details. So the amount of information is like tripled or something. I don't know the actual amounts, but it's tripled. But then you have like and you have like twenty percent more accurate details, but then you might have also twenty percent more inaccurate details. So it's really tough to differentiate the what what's accurate and what's not accurate from that afterwards. Um, so it yeah, does I, work, but it also it's also like kind of yeah. <laughs> ends up not working at the same time yeah i would imagine because you're sort of retrofitting a lot of what you you pick up from the environment that you brought in but like another question that could be asked i guess is if the actual things that you do recall correctly if those are actually not because you're actually recalling something better but because you're retrofitting those as well but they just happen to be correct true correct (laughs) because of the environment that you brought into which is sort of matching the environment in which it happened so the detail the amount of details increase but because of the same effect that you're doing which leads to the wrong things being retrofitted you also retrofit correct information right that that would be an interesting thing to me i mean how would you even be able to tell yeah because the end result would be the same regardless so how would you actually be able to tell i mean no no clue honestly it was just a a thought that i had that maybe maybe the correct hits and the increase in detail in that is is due to the same sort of process that is unreliable yeah but yeah maybe i'm just let me do some more reading into cognitive interview and i'll be able to tell tell you (laughs) what they how it's progressed recently because that'd be good um, for a future stream actually it's a really interesting uh, interview technique, it's and it's got it's got a lot of um lot of research behind it, and it does it does work. But it's just it is the the issue is that it just increases the volume, and you you might get more details, but it's then whoever's analysing that will have to pick it apart and say well what is likely and what's not likely to be true from that. Um, so when that's not always easy. When this kind of thing is happening, I know that they can use to some degree fmri scans to tell whether you're recalling something or making something up does that also apply to false recollections or no no because that's memories again so completely the same as yeah 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 and i think um i mean i think i've touched on fmris before they're they're uh, they're we very on the psychopathy. So. Yeah, we did, of course. Yeah, so they're temporarily, temporarily, temporarily very sensitive. So over periods of time, they can tell you where how how the brain is uh, activated in a certain moment, right? But then spatially, they're pretty bad. So even if you get like uh, similar area, so it might be that you know the the hippocampus is activating on the right side of the brain, 
it won't be able to tell necessarily where in the hippocampus it's firing because it's just not spatially accurate enough because um, because of the way it's done with all these um averages these layers um and people have different kind of yeah so yeah, because so, different neural pathways and shortcuts precisely people so one person yeah. one thing like say if i was throwing a punch and you were throwing a punch because i've trained martial arts for 10 years and trained to be an instructor it would show up a different pathway in my brain to it would in yours or precisely else's precisely but it might be in a similar location so we'd get like a general vibe of where it is but yours would be in one place or yeah it's it's tough i'm i'm not sure and i'm happy to be proven wrong in the future but i'm not sure if we're gonna ever get a really decent functional uh brain scan i hope i think yeah i hope we do as well i just think it's it's kind of i don't understand how you would do that without it being intrusive well, I mean, that's how we will get it. We will get it just be incredibly <laughs> intrusive. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, and obviously I don't know about like, we all, I think we all go probably a little bit shocked about what the technology of the future will be. But yeah, I, I, I can't, and I'm not a neuroscientist as well or an engineer. So, <laughs> so, uh, but I just can't imagine how, how we do that. Cause at the moment it's, it's kind of, uh, it's done in a very kind of, unless we just increase the size of the magnet, or just own problems. Yeah, it's, I don't. I can't imagine how we would do it on an individual basis either. Like without doing it as averages. No, yeah, because you have to account for the shortcuts and pathways that have been formed in each brain, don't you? Exactly, and also you have to cancel out all of the other activity that's going on at the same time because our brains are very active all the time. So, no, the, the, what? Sorry, it's only ten percent. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just in Laplace's demon again as well, and that's giving me trauma. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm double trauma. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's to the directors of Loki. Yeah. I'll be right back. I'm on my way to search for free will. <laughs> it was a great line. Um, so was there anything uh, else that you wanted to cover off with us tonight? I think we've covered quite a bit. I think say. we have too. A lot. Yeah, I think like there, there could be an interesting thing uh, related to this, which is sort of uh, testimony on miracles and human and all of that stuff. That yeah. seems sort of related, but I, I, I don't think we have time for that. Perhaps that's better left for another day. Well, this is a good setup episode, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. I don't know much about the philosophy of, of testimony, to be fair. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to hear right. how it lines up with what I said tonight. Yeah, We've done a couple of intro streams to it, but nothing too in depth. No, it'd be good to come back to it and and, yeah. and actually feed off of the this and have you back as well, uh, where when you're you're free, uh, Luke, and sort of hear the other side of it, but actually be here to go. But what about? Yeah, <laughs> mm. uh, uh, no, it'd be good. Cool. Are there any yeah. uh, questions in the chat, or do you guys have any questions for Luke before we go? I'm good. No, I'm good. I would like to ask Shannon if she's, <laughs> if she's still here, whether I satisfied her need for psychology nerd nerddom. <laughs> I, I think she had to shoot, uh, unfortunately. Oh. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully she watches it. But... <laughs> um, 
Uh, yeah, Opie missed half the stream. Yeah, he did. Oh, don't okay. worry. How you, you missed you missed a rant about <laughs> null hypothesis and everything, but uh, d dude, I'm I'm glad you made it, and uh, it's it's oh, nice. Steam. Uh, Steam came for HO as well. Oh no! So you all missed Just, the null you, hypothesis. You gotta watch the start of the stream. Yeah, you gotta wind it back. Sorry. <laughs> you can still watch it. Yeah. As we've been reminded, you can go back and watch it, yeah. and you can get all the answers right, even though that wasn't the point of the exercise. <laughs> The point was to get it wrong. <laughs> Which I did well. Yeah. You won, you won, <laughs> I've done a thing. I've done a psychology. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, if there's uh, no more questions or anything like that, um, I guess then we shall wrap things up for tonight. It's been very interesting. Thank you very much, Luke. Uh, it's always good when you come on and uh, teach us a little bit about psychology. Yeah, thank you, Luke. Yes, my pleasure. It was pretty good. And, uh, of course, uh, thank you to Kristen and Philip for joining uh, Dave and myself tonight as well. Uh, always great to have uh, a large crowd here with us and everybody yeah. who's been in the chat room as well. Thank you. Um, I look forward to us uh, covering this off again. I think we, we, we've even got next Tuesday uh, an idea of what we were doing. Uh, we're doing the rationality thesis, aren't we, Dave? Yeah. So uh, If you've not... got nothing for next Thursday, we could do the follow-on to this one with the testimony stream oh are you free are you free next thursday luke i'll have to check okay i'll, I'll let you know as soon as i can cool. no worries i think i did have an idea for next thursday but i've forgotten so <laughs> <laughs> you know, next week i'm back to D, D, so i shan't be with you oh <laughs> oh no uh, is that even on tuesdays as well uh no but it is mondays and thursdays so i oh. can't really do three nights away yeah, that's fair enough. That's more than fair. Cool. Okay, then. Well, uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, once again, uh, you've been watching the Fresh Air Sci-Fi Show. I'm Joe. I'm Dave. I'm Luke. I'm Chris. And I'm Philip. And if you don't remember that, don't worry. Neither does 60% of people. <laughs> I'm only taking a guess at my name. <laughs> <laughs>